Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. Hey, Trending Health listeners. The episode you're about to listen to was originally recorded for release on April 6th. We ended up having to re-record to discuss Judge O'Connor's invalidation of the preventive services mandate of the Affordable Care Act. In the episode you're about to hear, we cover the recent impacts of the Inflation Reduction Act as well as the potential PBM Transparency Act. We do not get into the recent rulings from federal judges in Texas and Washington as it relates to Mifepristone, although I'm sure we'll be covering that in the next trending news episode. We thought the conversation as originally recorded was still worth having, so we hope you enjoy this bonus episode. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Finamics' Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. Mindy, what headlines have you been following lately? Hey, Jen. The one headline that I have been keeping a close eye on really since the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, is starting to watch some of the provisions within that act play themselves out. In particular, I think my focus recently has been on the Medicare Part D impacts that are going to be a result of the Inflation Reduction Act. For many years, really since the inception of Medicare, right, one of the things that has been a challenge, and even in Part D, is this idea of the donut hole or that coverage gap. It was addressed during the passage of the Affordable Care Act to kind of start to close that donut hole over time. What the Inflation Reduction Act has really done is just basically mandate that that coverage gap is going to disappear by 2025. That is a good thing for anybody that is a Medicare Part D eligible member, because historically, they have had to pay more out of pocket for plans as well. Historically, under this this kind of benefit package, plans that have participated in Medicare Part D only had to pay about 15 to 20 percent of the cost of any sort of branded drugs. And now, with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, they are going to be responsible for almost three times as much of the cost. As a recap, when we talk about that donut hole or that catastrophic phase. It's that phase of coverage that is really designed to protect these Medicare Part D members from having to pay super high out-of-pocket costs for prescription drugs. So once they got through the donut hole, then they're they're covered almost totally, right, from any other out-of-pocket costs. So it usually begins after this predetermined amount that's part of your benefit design. And now the Inflation Reduction Act is really addressing that and making sure that that seniors are protected from this exposure that they have been living with now for for really many decades. So it's interesting to see that the Inflation Reduction Act was only passed less than a year ago and that there are already some pretty significant changes coming out as a result of that. And I think particularly with Medicare Part D, this has happened so quickly. You know, we've seen laws and and initiatives passed on Capitol Hill, and it takes years to take into effect. So this is this is some quick work. I mean, it's difficult to know at this point how costs will ultimately be distributed once these provisions. And you know, the topic of the day is this insulin cap 
or inflationary rebates and the negotiation of price and other areas and provisions are implemented. And to your point, Mindy, the new design shifts the bulk of responsibility for branded drugs in this phase, in this hole that had previously been shielded. So it, it is it is moving us in a different and I believe beneficial way. Yeah, and I think what's interesting to me, Ryan, is when the Inflation Reduction Act was passed, right, we talked a lot about what it would mean to pharmaceutical companies. What hasn't been talked about probably as much right, is the impact to health plans because there were provisions within that legislation that impact not only life sciences companies and manufacturers of drugs, but also impact plans. And my key takeaway, I think, from all of this is that this is just the start of Part D changes within the Inflation Reduction Act and shifting that financial liability due to benefit redesign. It has major implications for plan leaders to consider now, because if you look at the timelines of implementation within the Inflation Reduction Act, there is not a long wait period for some of these provisions to go into place. Yeah, we saw a couple of weeks ago the release of the first sort of 30 drugs, right, that are going to be inflation capped as well. So to both of your points, just tremendous movement and I think movement in the right direction when it comes to just the speed with which this legislation is really taking momentum across the industry. And, you know, some of it I think is a push, but there's also some full reaction as well. We saw earlier this year, right, Eli Lilly drastically cut their insulin prices in, in the U.S. And now we see Novo Nordisk following suit as well. And we know that within the Inflation Reduction Act, there was already going to be this price cap at $35 for insulin on Medicare Part D. But we're seeing these large manufacturers, these large pharmaceutical companies kind of already start to get the, the ball rolling a little bit in, in, in anticipation, right? So Novo Nordisk, similar to Lilly, they're cutting their list price by 75% for Novolog, 65% for Novolin and Levamir starting January 1st, 2024. And also looking to move the needle a little bit on their unbranded biologics to you know bring, bring the price down in step with some of the branded insulins. And both these companies, whether Novo Nordisk or Lilly, are really reacting to that pressure in D.C. It's, it's a hot topic right now. The Inflation Reduction Act, of course, kind of looming ahead. And this is something that in a commoditized market like the insulin market, we can expect now that the two major players have really made their moves to see a lot more ripple effect as well. Jen, I think we're also seeing, I mean, you mentioned the pressure from government pressure, right? And policy pressure. I think it's also increased competition in the marketplace. So you look at some of these new entrants that have come into the market, like Mark Cuban's cost plus drug company and, and Civica. And I think it's a combination of, of both government action as well as marketplace action that is really starting to put the pressure on these some of these commoditized markets that you just mentioned. Another newsworthy item that has happened recently is the Senate passing or Senate panel advancing a bill to reform PBMs and bring more scrutiny on the industry at a federal level. And just to remind our folks and ourselves that PBMs have a really interesting place as middle folks in our money maze, and they often negotiate these complex agreements with multiple parties, usually with the drug manufacturers and also health plans 
that make it difficult for patients and folks that need to understand these things, the true cost of prescription drugs. And PBMs often receive payments from said drug manufacturers and pharmacies in the form of rebates, which are also many times complex and confusing and arguably can create conflicts of interest and are not always disclosed. So this is an interesting act. The PBM Transparency Act it would not only put a stop to, quote, deceptive and opaque pricing schemes that burden consumers with higher prices, but it also is expected to be uh, pretty large savings of almost $740 million. And you may ask, well, what, what would it do or how is that happening? The legislation's proposal is to ban the tactic of spread pricing. And spread pricing in many cases is where PBMs charge insurance providers a higher amount for a drug than they pay the pharmacy. So there's a spread there. And then they retain that difference as a profit or pocket the difference. And this also adds to this opacity. So it's really hard to tell the exact price of drugs and it affects the drug pricing system in whole. And, and it would also ban another term that we know that many people may not know is clawback fees. And this is where a PBM tries to get back part of the payment that it makes to the pharmacy or increases the fees to offset any changes from federally funded health plans. So lots to talk about here. It's really interesting. All of these moves that are being made to create more price transparency, more accountability. And there's so many other pricing opacity instances that arise from PBMs, whether that's complex negotiations, rebates and discounts that I mentioned a few minutes ago, and just overall lack of regulation, Mindy. So I'd love to hear how you think this is going to go down. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen these attempts before from a legislative perspective and government perspective to try to clear through the clutter of the relationships, right, and the transactions that occur with PBMs. Some of this has been about timing and just the environment in which those previous attempts at legislation had taken place and weren't successful. We know that drug pricing and, and the concern about the cost of drugs has been in the news for quite some time. So it's not surprising that this legislation has actually come up again with more focus, right, on the role of a pharmacy benefit manager, the role that boosting transparency could have if the legislation is passed in terms of what it would require for annual reporting with the Federal Trade Commission and really kind of unpacking how those transactions and contracts actually work between the manufacturers of medications and pharmacy benefit managers for prescription products, and how much the, the pharmacy benefit manager actually pays to other parties in the system. So, you know, I think this legislation in particular seems to have an acute focus on trying to boost transparency. Previous legislations were trying to rein in some, some of those practices that you mentioned, Ryan, and perhaps didn't make their way into some sort of final legislation because it was just trying to cast too wide of a, a net in terms of what the intention was. So I think we have to, to obviously wait and see what happens with this, this proposed legislation. 
And I just wonder now, is, is the time right? I mean, we've just seen the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. We know that this has been a concern in headline news. I think that we have seen other entities and other organizations kind of rise up and suggest that because pharmacy benefit managers, there's just a lack of understanding of what they do and how the money flows through them. You know, it just seems like maybe the timing is better right now for this type of legislation to actually have some some teeth to it and be passed into law. So we'll have to just wait and see. But my, my key takeaways, I think, is that the fact that there's some bipartisan support for this tells you that this is an issue that they could actually get over the finish line and that perhaps the way that the practices between pharmacy benefit managers and other stakeholders in healthcare will need to change as a result. One of the things I love about what we've talked about in this episode so far is that we've kind of hit on all of the the major players in in the pricing of drugs conundrum, right? Whether it's the, the manufacturers, the health plans, the PBMs, I feel like I normally think of that, that Spider-Man meme where all the Spider-Mans are pointing at each other when we talk about who's to blame for the high drug costs between the three. And I think the recent patterns we've seen in legislation is really trying to bring transparency and accountability to all three pillars, right? Whether it's the, the pharmaceutical organizations, the health plans, or the PBMs. And I think that's why we're starting to see some real traction, right? Because we know from our discussions, everything is so interconnected in the healthcare system and to make meaningful change, you really have to account for all of those interrelationships, the potential cause and effect of tweaking in just one, one area. So seeing changes in all of these areas makes me hopeful that we'll see some lasting change here. As always, we know the only constant in the healthcare industry is change, so I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode, where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.